Welcome to Embedded Edge with Knitting, a podcast that brings to life the stories behind today's embedded systems, technologies, and products. It's the show where you'll hear from both engineers and executives on some of the most topical news and most pressing challenges in the world of embedded system design. Here's your host, Editor-in-Chief of Embedded.com, Nitin Dahad. Hello. Welcome to this third of our series of Embedded Edge with Nitin podcasts from the Embedded World 2022 show in Nuremberg, Germany. In the first two episodes, we talked about processors, and then we talked about RISC-V, and in this episode, we're going to talk to various people about boards, tools, and software. There was definitely a big focus on functional safety this year. In this episode, you'll hear from AD-Link Technology, Advantech, Congatech, Microsys, Link Software Technologies, IAR Systems, AMI, SolidSans, and ESOL. So let's get going with the first interview. So I'm here with uh, Zane Sai of uh, AD Link Technology. Uh, Zane, hello. Hi. Um, so tell me what's the focus of AD Link Technology at um, Embedded World here in Nuremberg this year? Yeah, so Edilink is uh, focusing still on the edge computing side, but we're bringing in something new ideas for this, for high-performance computing and the GPU usage, and as well as the idea we how to bring visualization into the application. Yeah, so MSN is the idea that we bring in into the embedded application and in terms of the GPU usage. So GPU is popular in the gaming area, in the AI area, as everyone needs to know that NVIDIA is taking the lead in this uh, market. And somebody, uh, anyone can easily bring an uh, NVIDIA card for your uh, desktop PC for gaming, video gaming stuff. What if anyone else from embedded application want the GPU support, no matter it's a graphic, processing, 3D rendering, or AI accelerating. So in embedded, there's a, large, uh, there's a huge difference com- compared to the consumer or commercial usage. You have to take care of the patient for longevity support. You have to take care of the environment challenging while you still to withstand the shock vibration or the white opening temperature that they've been into the applications or you can suffer from a limited space or ventilation that you don't have that room to to accommodate that big stuff, big GPUs, but you still need the GPU support, what you can do. So MXN standard is defined by MXN SIG, now maintained by NVIDIA. And ADLink is the leading partner for NVIDIA Embedded. So we actually introduced that GPU into that MXN form factor. It's a similar idea that we introduced in Compass Web form factors, but now with the GPU power especially for something with uh, space-limited ventilation-limited, thermal-limited applications like transportation, military-grade stuff, even for a portable mobile uh, medical appliances that comes in handy. You, you know, imagine that, uh, especially in medical imaging, there's a booming demand for resolutions in the graphics, in the channel of the ultrasounds, uh, endoscopy, or a pre-diagnostics or assisting diagnostic for doctors in the symptom diagno- uh, identification. So that kind of image processing, you can fully utilize the power from the GPU 
and with the MXM form factor, you can easily enjoy the longevity support as well as the compact and thermal design form for embedded applications. You know, for the MXM GPU, we particularly build that for embedded uh, considerations. So there's a design reference that we can provide to the uh, potential users, how you can easily place that small form factor modules into your systems and have it working properly with the uh, with the thermal solution. We also are providing the reference too. So there's a, a bunch of applications already uh, we've been introduced to, to the customers that's used uh, across in US, in China, in, in APAC. There's already a lot of adoptions, like I said, especially in the medical areas. One of the things you've been talking about quite a lot in the last year has been about uh, edge visual visualization. So you, you're showing some of that as well, aren't you? Yes. So given that the, the EU has a strong investment into Adlink, they want to move into the embedded market. We actually bring this idea to, to the uh, bring the mission critical idea into uh, to embed it, and we try to simplify this complexity when building a visualization system. So when you build a visualization system, it can be completed. You have to source the different layers of that from LCD, from carbon glass, from touch solution, from the bonding for the integrations. So each layers you have to source from different partners and the end user have to suffer from the yield rates for each layers. Now you don't have to do this. AD-Link plus AUO, then we have uh, this integrated and we call it panel plus. Now, this idea is used across all the portfolio generated from AD-Link. It's been targeting, uh, targeting at different locations. Now we have the own team, even own production line that can do this integration and customization for the customer. And you don't have to worry about the quality, and you do know we have over 25 years experience in embedded. So trust us in these applications. Well, Zane, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm here with uh, Klaus Giebert from Advantech Europe. Klaus, hello. Hello, nice to talk to you. Tell me what brings you here, what's the focus today? Our focus today is showing the latest products we had developed in, say, the last two years where no embedded world took place. And now we have here a new generation with CPUs. We have new focus on AI. We have some new products in the visualization applications. We even launched a new cooperation with MediaTek yesterday. And we will do new products with them. But overall, we focus on new products, and my product line mainly is the MediaTek products and, of course, the ComHPC stuff we do for new high-end ZOM products. So new products with MediaTek, uh, so what products are you working on with them? We are basically started the cooperation with MediaTek right away and announced it here, and we are now working on the small SPC, two and a half inch board, and as a next generation, we will also offer a compute on module. A current plan is to do it on Smart. I think you were talking about some of the opportunities from ComHPC. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, for ComHPC products, we launched three new boards here and all are quite interesting and one of the main focuses for our customers is that the current I.O. for ComExpress is somehow limited to say PCI Express Gen 4 and you can only support something like 20 something PCI Express lanes and for some of the applications in the communication 
And in the server application, this is a big limitation factor. And therefore, we decided to also promote ComHPC with high-end performance supporting, say, 64 cores or on the other side, PCI Express 5. So that's something which I think will be a good fit for these high-end applications. Okay, thank you. And uh, then tell us a little bit about the uh, work you're doing with PicMG. For all these new standards, like ComHPC, like in the former past, like ComExpress, we, together with all our colleagues on the market and the semiconductor suppliers, we define new standards and therefore we work together in the PicMT committees to agree on how our next generation will look like. This worked fantastic for the last 15 years with ComExpress and we hope to basically follow up on this with this great success with ComHPC now. With PicMG as a committee to get all the suppliers in the boat, meaning that not only we do ComHPC, also our other market competitors do ComHPC. Okay, well, Klaus, thank you very much. Thank you, it was a pleasure. Well, I'm here with Christian Eder at uh, Conga Tech at uh, Embedded World in Nuremberg. Hi, Christian. Hello, nice that you're here. Uh, what's the headline? Yeah, of course, first of all, I'm so happy to have a live show. That's, that's great, of course, to meet all the people, to meet you in person. That's great. Our headline is, let's say, functional safety. We see a lot of movements in directions of autonomous vehicles, man and machine working together. So we see there's a strong demand for functional safety. It's a lot of requirements for certifications and so on. And we have a very good complete setup based on Intel Atom, uh, which can... Uh, ease the whole process here of creating functional safety systems. You've announced this strategy on functional safety. What does that entail? What are the elements of it? As the elements are, of course, a, a computer module, you, you might know or not, I hope you do, uh, that we're specialists on computer module. As a, a, a computer module is a complete PC which integrates into a carrier board. And what's new is that functional safety is on to this module, which are integrated to the customized carrier port. And we also carry out some new signals, which allows to, let's say, integrate a safety island, which is the core which controls the whole system. If there's some malfunctions, then the system is set into a safe state that nothing can happen, which means if someone gets, let's say, close to an industrial robot, it will stop working. Yeah. But of course, it's not the whole story. It's more complicated if you have a, a co-worker as a robot. So of course, it's much more complicated. And at the end, that's the target to en enable this co-working with machine and with man. Very interesting. And uh, I guess you've had demos here showing all of that. Of course, we have a, we have a short live, live demo. It's, just, uh, it, it's more for the, for the technician guy. Let's say it goes into the bits and bytes. So you, you see what the microcontroller does and whatnot. It's a very techy demonstration, not very eye-catching, in fact. But of course, at the end, it's all about certifications. And it's, it's hard to showcase certifications. It's a quite dry thing to showcase. So now you're, you were involved on a panel the, the, earlier today. Tell us a little bit about some of the discussions around ComHPC, I guess. Uh, yeah, ComHPC, of course, is our is my personal baby, let's say, my latest thing. I'm chairman in the PicMic for this new standard. And in fact, so it's about 
performance. It's get more interfaces and much faster interfaces than Comexpress, which is the de facto standard nowadays. That's most selling the most successful standard. But to pave the road for the future, we have really extended it more interfaces, much faster interfaces, huge ports into server markets at the end. But what's kind of new and what will be or is just about to be announced is a new work group which defines a half size of the size A, which means it's just 60 by 95 millimeters. That's the plan to have a really small size module on Combo HPC which provides the performance, the scalability and the small footprint. So that's very optimized for mobile application and most probably it will feature also functional safety pins. So even for this autonomous mobile vehicles, robots, whatnot, that's a very good solution for that. So we pave the future for it. And as always with Congatech uh, Embedded World, you always have lots of product announcements. Are there any highlights of those? Uh, my personal highlight, of course, is ComHPC and the server side. So you really see one terabyte of DRAM on a module, 20 cores. So that's the, the big thing. Of course, it's not a really low-power low solution. But the demo we have is really great. We have this uh, 20 core running. We have another two core modules running on one carrier board. And uh, it's a very compact thing, passive cooled. Even if it's a high power thing with more than 100 watt of power consumption, we can do it in passive cooling. So in fact, it's a proof that ComHPC is industrial and I'm also very proud to see many ComHPC designs, not just from Congatech, also from the whole ecosystem, from the whole, let's say, partners, companies, competitors. Uh, ComHPC is taking off, and I'm personally extremely proud about that. On that note, thank you, Christian. Uh, my pleasure. I'm with Ina Schindler of Microsys. Uh, hello, Ina. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Tell me, tell me a little bit about your company. Microsys um, is over 30 years old and we are doing um, board design and development for different kind of industries. And, and that's custom design ba uh, based on, uh, I think your relationship comes back from NXP, doesn't it? Yes, so NXP, Gold Partnership, this is where we're coming from. Uh, so we use the automotive processors from NXP and because uh, we need the high performance and high data throughput and low latency. And then we do the sums, you know. Uh, we have system on module. System on module, yes. And uh, we pack them on a carrier board. Then we have a cooling system for uh, conduction cooling because we serve harsh environments. And we have a chassis closure and then uh, we supply a system. And the most important thing is the safety and the security issue. It's custom development and not necessarily a, a standard space board. No, um, we have the custom design. Um, the carrier is a custom design, also the chassis. So it's, everything is customized, yes. This is based on customer requirements and um, the most important thing is that we don't follow any standard, for example, smart standard, so that we can get everything out of the processor. So we can have all interfaces the customer needs. And so um, we have very good solutions appropriate to the needs of the customers. And I think you know, a lot of your customers are in automotive and agriculture, but you have a wide range of customers for mostly for harsh environments. Is that right? 
absolutely right. So our um, aim is to use the processors from NXP, which are designed for the automotive market, and to turn them into other markets. There we have medical applications, railway application, also avionics. Um, of course, we have the autonomous driving. Currently, it's very, very important. And um, this was me guiding um, to a, our partnership with Halo. We implement the Halo 8 module to have the AI compo uh, component on our boards as well. So we have a really good solution. AI meets high performance. And um, this is a new trend. And for us, uh, in future, a really huge business. We see a lot of demand in the market for the S32G. This is the processor name. The product name is Myriac AIP, Artificial Intelligent Platform. Yes. And then we use the processor name S32G2748. And here on the trade show, we announce um, the S32G399A with more cores, so more um, power, performance. And yeah, we highlight this at the trade show and very, we are very happy um, to fulfill here the demands of the customers. And, and that's more cores as in more ARM Cortex cores and that's basically for, for better performance, is that right? Yes, that's absolutely right. So high performance is our business. Ina, thank you very much. You're very welcome. I'm now joined by Ian Ferguson of uh, Link Software Technologies. Uh, Ian, hello. Hi, how are you doing, Nitin? I'm good. Tell me you've, uh, your big announcement this week. We've announced a unikernel, which we call Lynx Elements. Um, we think that's the first uh, uh, unikernel based on a real-time operating system with a path to safety certification. What does that mean? Well, operating systems are, uh, and we see it every day, a, a point of vulnerability for ha hacks. And the good thing with uh, operating systems is that they have full access to the processor. The bad thing is they have full access to the processor, all of the instructions, writing random bits of memory. Unikernels run in user mode. And so a uh, single thread, single process, and really that really narrows down the surface of attack. And so we see a blending of unikernels running on top of a hypervisor because all the unikernel do is, does is one thing, yeah. but it runs in user mode, so it's got a limited access to peripherals and uh, the processor instructions, and it just does one thing, whether that's uh, um, looking for um, you know, strange pa uh, packets on networks uh, and, and saying there's something weird going on, we're under attack, or whatever those sort of one, doing one thing as a single thread. Uh, and, and I think uh, at the show I've seen a lot of this where you're looking at yeah, that safety being added on at a hypervisor level, I guess. Yeah, I, th I think at that hypervisor level, you're at that perfect stage to um, learn, you know, if we go over, we're one of the most overused terms in the industry at the moment, AI, um, you, you've got this opportunity to see and learn, really audit what a platform is doing in normal behavior. Um, you're seeing memory accesses, you're looking at CPU behaviors and IO accesses. So it's that perfect layer to actually understand what's going on on the platform and then actually say, okay, now I've started to see something weird, I'm going to go off and do something about it, take it off the IP network, return it to a known good state. So for us, um, down in that hypervisor layer, we're sort of wanting to become that sort of AI that you can't see. Um, that's really that sort of recognition of, of attack. And I think on top of that, you'll see increasingly things like unikernels where those applications just do one thing very, very well, immune to attack, uh, maybe immune is too strong, not bulletproof, but much harder to break into because you're not having full access 
access to the system. Okay, uh, what else is going on? What, what do you see as some trends in, in the industry from your point of view? So I, I think certainly cybersecurity. Um, I'm frustrated as an individual that's been in this industry for so long that we're still talking about cybersecurity. But I think a combination of um, just the visibility of the recent attacks, whether they're in the US or here in Europe, uh, I, I think people are trying to now much more understand what's going on and how they raise that bar to make their systems harder to attack. I don't think there's enough going on to recognize systems have been attacked and then correct them, which is where I said we wanted to focus. But there's certainly a much higher level. We go all around here. Everybody's talking about cybersecurity. I, I think the second one is risk five. People, you know, a lot of announcements here, whether that's IMG, you've probably seen far more than, than me sat, sat in my booth. Journalists are coming asking me about risk five. Um, I, I think just the broadening of the portfolio. I, I, I think people wanting to take more control over their um, supply chain and not be reliant on a particular place. I, I, I think the way Risk Five has put their intellectual property into Switzerland, making it neutral. I, I think that ecosystem, while it's still got a long way to go, we're, we're definitely being pushed there. And, and not just at the show, the last six to nine months of customers, they've been coming after us, asking us about that. And are they asking you to develop software to build upon those systems as well? Yeah, yes, absolutely. I mean, we, we like hardware virtualization because we think that's a great uh, foundational block to isolate applications from each other. So that ecosystem of RISC-V is coming down that path. Those technologies are starting to come. So yeah, we're, we're committed to RISC-V. Um, we'll, we'll be doing products next year as those chips with hardware virtualization on them mature and come into the industry. Ian, thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity, Nathan. So I'm here with Anders Holmberg, um, Chief Technology Officer at IAR Systems. Hello, Anders. Hello. An admitted world uh, here. You have launched um, some plugins uh, for Microsoft for Visual Code Studio. Can you tell me what, uh, a little bit more about that and why it's important? So we have launched plugins for Visual Studio Code that makes it possible for you as a developer to build and debug projects directly in Visual Studio Code if you want to stay in that environment because you're used to working in Visual Studio Code or some similar reason. Uh, we've done this because we see quite a lot of interest from the ecosystem in providing these kind of plugins since Visual Studio Code is probably the most popular general software development environment around today. So uh, we, we think it's important to enable our users to only also use that technology. And, and he's providing that single point for, for them to do the interaction, the development uh, of, of all what they need. Exactly. What else have you announced here? So we last week we, we launched the newest release of Embedded Workbench for ARM. We're focusing now going forward on 64-bit, both microcontrollers and uh, application processors for particularly bare metal applications. And then also, I think you're talking about RISC-V as well? Yes, we also recently launched a new version of RISC-V supporting 64-bit processors and MCUs. And uh, up until now, the, the general interest around RISC-V has been more of a buzz, not that much real commercial value for us but we see it starting to take off. Our traditional customer comes to us asking for RISC-V tools. They want to do evaluations. They might even looking into doing their own RISC-V silicon for particular purposes. And just on that point, you're seeing a lot more sort of non-conventional non sort of customers. You know, they're talking more mainstream customers, I guess, uh, doing their own development. Is that right? 
Yeah, so what we see is that customers that typically just go, go somewhere and buy general purpose hardware off the shelf from the big providers are now looking into actually developing their own very application-specific MCUs or even CPUs for specific workloads that can be tiny ML models or similar use cases. And do you provide some, some support and hand-holding for them for that? We don't really support them with hand-holding for the hardware development, but we can help them on the software side, making sure that their hardware is supported with our tools and so on. Anders, thank you very much. Thank you. Here with Zach Bobroff of AMI at Embedded World Nuremberg. Uh, Zach, hello. Hi. Tell me uh, a little bit about what uh, you're showing here. So I'm with AMI at our booth today. We're showing our three uh, key core product lines of our BIOS, our BMC, and our security firmware. Many companies may not know about us, but uh, we're pretty much at the heart of most compute that you're going to see in the world today. We, we initialize the platform to get it ready to run the operating system, whether it's an, a real-time operating system or a traditional one. We then manage it at runtime so that you can do certain configurations and, and monitor it. And then at the last step there, we're also making your platforms more secure. Firmware has the highest privileged access on your computers, so we, we need to make sure it's ultra secure and we're offering newer solutions to in, enhance that security. And uh, what's uh, particularly new uh, that you're, you've been working on uh, lately? I would say bringing firmware development into the modern era, doing a lot of DevOps behind it, uh, enhancing, embracing open source and offering solutions there. And also security, like I just mentioned, is that area that's really emerging with nation states attacking computers in new and inventive ways. You need to really be monitoring and looking at your firmware. Many people might not even do a BIOS upgrade or realize firmware is there, but you need to be more cognizant of it going forward. And you work with, I mean, your traditional would have been with the chip vendors, the OEMs, but you're also working with some of the, the, the customers directly now, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, traditionally, we would have worked with the, the chip makers and the OEMs and ODMs, like you had mentioned, but more and more at the end user side with the hyperscalers and other people, telcos, they're taking ownership of firmware themselves. They want certain features that aren't being offered. They want a baseline of commonality across their platforms. So more and more, we're, we're working with those end users. And, and how, what's your business model? How are you offering your um, service? So uh, a lot of it, we offer two of them. We offer a source code license to our customers so they can take the source and modify it themselves. We also offer some SLAs if we're using an open source based product. And some of our other customers, they don't have the bandwidth to be able to develop. So we offer them uh, our services, our professional services to develop. So we can do it from A to Z for those customers and everything like that. Zach, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm here with uh, Marcel Bemster of Solid Sands. Marcel, hello. Hi, good to see you. Tell me a little bit about Solid Sense. Yeah, Solid Sense is a company we started in 2014, so some time ago already. We are supplying uh, test suites for C and C++ implementations, so both the compiler implementation but also the library implementation. Uh, we have a test suite for that that's called Supertest. Supertest itself has a very long history. It's much older than uh, than Supertest Super, that Solid Sense is. So Supertest, the first test, they are in the copyrights. We can see the first test in Supertest started in 1984. <laughs> that was even before there was a language standard for C. Uh, and since then, Supertest has been expanded and, and extended with C, 
the latest C standards, but also with C++ and the latest C++ standards. When we acquired Supertest in 2014, when we got Supertest, we started, of course, extending it with the latest, in particular, C++ standards, but also C11 was already available then, the, the language specification, but not in the test suite, so we had to extend it there as well. And also for C++, uh, we had to do work for C++ 11, 14, and later 17. And now we also support C++ 20. And your your real sort of expertise is in um, compiler qualification and testing. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, Supertest, that's, that's a, the ba our basic product, of course, uh, was initially always used by uh, compiler developers. So companies that develop their own compiler implementations, either to use them internally, like Synopsys, or uh, to give them to their developers, like the Sony PlayStation uh, group, or to sell them on the market. And they needed good test suites to validate that their compilers were right. What we started to do in 2014 was focus on the world of functional safety. So there, it's no longer the developer of the compiler, but it's the developer of the application that is responsible for making sure that the compiler is suitable for the purpose that they're using it for. And that puts the responsibility of compiler qualification, as it is called, on the developer. And yeah, that is something where we help can help with because we know what's needed for compiler validation in, um, in, in functional safety. And uh, yeah, as you said, our second product, uh, SuperGuard, was introduced last year uh, and that's specific for library qualification. So that's a more complicated thing to do than the uh, compiler qualification, but SuperCard provides additional, yeah, the additional requirements that are needed for library qualification as well. And uh, you've got a, quite a large list of customers. Uh, do you want to name some of them? Yeah, you've been working with some of them for quite a long time, haven't you? Yeah, of course. One of the, the, the ones that I mentioned just a moment ago, also Texas Instruments, Compiler Builder, uh, ARM, of course, compiler uh, developers. But uh, compiler users are companies like uh, Denso, for example, in, in Japan. Uh, they supply a lot to, to Toyota and other companies in, in Asia. Synopsys. That's a mix of things because Synopsys is a very uh, yeah, diverse company, so they have compiler users but also compiler uh, developers. So, uh, yeah, many of those are using uh, our products and, and basically they're all over the world. And these customers mostly come to you to help them uh, with, with their compilers and yeah, making sure their functional safety uh, requirements are met. Yeah, uh, very often these are uh, application developers and uh, they develop an application for a safety critical uh, purpose and uh, yeah they, they go through the language the, the functional safety standards and they find out okay we have to do something with the tools and the libraries and then we can help them because we just don't we know also about the uh, the tools and the libraries of course for C and C++ but we also know the functional safety standards so that is where our expertise comes in and where we can really uh, uh, supply them w to whatever level they need. Okay, and uh, Embedded World in Nuremberg, you've uh, made an announcement uh, with a partnership with Cisco, is that right? Yeah, we were working with Cisco for quite a long time already. Uh, they've been a user of Supertest for maybe four years, I think. They developed their own uh, applications or more platforms 
to be used in functional safety uh, environments. And yeah, they are using uh, SuperTest, but also since recently they're using SuperGuard. So uh, this is an ongoing partnership that we announced here uh, at the show. Well, uh, thank you very much. Thank you. So I'm here with Laurent Marez from ESOL. Hi, Laurent. Hello, how are you? I'm good. Tell me a little bit about ESOL before we go into your announcements. Okay, so yeah, ESOL is a global software vendor, mostly focusing on RTOS and hypervisor solutions for automotive and industrial applications. So yeah, ESOL is actually quite an old company. We are uh, mostly headquartered in Japan, so we were created in 1974, and we started to sell international about four years ago when we started ESOL Europe. So yeah, we are focusing, as I said, in the automotive market. We are very strong in Japan, and we are becoming more and more strong outside Japan, meaning in China, in Europe, and also in the US. And your focus is automotive and industrial, and you're also one of the founding members of the AutoWare ROS standard. Is that right? Sure. So, yes, automotive is about almost 50% of our total revenue. We are about 500 people worldwide. We have a team working on ROS, so based in Japan and also in Europe. Uh, and we are also one of the founding companies of the consortium called AutoWare. So AutoWare, to make it simple, is... a uh, ROS for automotive. So we are one of the funders and we have a nice solution called ROS on MCOS. MCOS being our Autos and Hypervisor flagship product. You have uh, two announcements. Uh, can you tell me what those are? Sure. So first, we are very happy to come back physically to Embedded World. It has been many years, but last year was a bit special. So yeah, this, this year today, we are announcing two partner solutions. One with uh, Renaissance around the Gen 4, uh, our car Gen 4 solution. So we are providing a full support for the S4 chip our car S4, that's one, uh, targeting the automotive central computing and gateway solutions. And the number two is uh, with a company, German company called Ferrus Systems. They are working exclusively on Rust, Rust uh, language, and uh, they provide a safety compiler based on Rust. And the MCOS Autos is the first Autos solution uh, integrated together with their Ferrosen Rust solution for safety applications. And this is not just a, a thing you've just done, it's because your a customer has requested that, is that right? Yeah, sure, as uh, almost always. Yeah, there is uh, one of our big OEMs uh, requesting in the automotive industry, uh, requesting uh, support for Rust. So yeah, we decided to work with Ferros, with Ferrosen and Ferros Systems. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a that's a project for our customer, but we will make it available for all customers, obviously. Well, Laurent, thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, Nitin. So that brings us to the end of this episode. That was Embedded Edge with Nitin, and I'm Nitin Dahad. Thanks for listening. 